Okay, welcome back to Journalistic Integrity. We've got a great episode coming up, a lot of Virginia basketball and just NCAA tournament in general. And today we've got on former UVA basketball player. He was on the podcast a few weeks ago, and that is Rob Vizinalik. Rob, thank you for joining us on the show. How have you been? Doing well, Murph. Thanks for having me. Excited uh, for the tournament. It's March, baby. Yes, sir. Um, so before we get into the Virginia, Ohio game, um, so we had you back on, I looked back, it was February 18th. And so just today's March 17th is when we're recording. So just exactly um, just a day under a month ago. And so we recorded that episode a couple of days after the Florida State loss, a uh, big loss, lost by 20 points. And then uh, two days after we recorded the one point loss to Duke, then we lose to NC State. But then we rattle off uh, wins against Miami, Louisville, and then the Syracuse win in the tournament. So we've been three and two, but kind of uh, up and down mixed bag of results since we last recorded. So what do you feel better about the this Virginia team now or back when we recorded um, after the Florida State game? Yeah, it's hard to tell, right? It's been a roller coaster of a month since yep. since that episode. Um, as you mentioned, three straight losses, then three straight wins. Things are looking great heading into uh, that semifinal game against Georgia Tech, and then you know a positive test kind of ends our ends our ACC tournament run, puts the NCAA tournament in jeopardy for us. Um, you know, fortunately, I think we're in a good spot heading into a game on Saturday, but. Um, yeah, I would say that, you know, kind of before before the Georgia Tech uh, kind of cancellation, definitely in a, in a good place, right? Momentum was pretty high coming off of Syracuse. Um, and even with, the, even with that cancellation, I would have been fine. But I think the fact that the team is quarantining for an entire week, um, not traveling or practicing until, until Friday, um, Ohio, on the other hand, is is in is in uh, Indianapolis. Maybe that's going to hurt them. Maybe that's you know they're there for an entire week preparing right. for this game, riding high. Everyone's picking them to win. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I'd say it's uh, I'd say it's definitely some some tough circumstances heading into an opening round game. Right, and you mentioned how everyone's picking their game, and I uh, mentioned this with John in our uh, last episode where there's always some like sexy pick amongst uh, ESPN analysts and whatnot, and so it seems like it's been the uh, Virginia-Ohio game. Uh, there's some Villanova um, losing to Winthrop talk, but that's kind of because of an injury with uh, Gillespie. Um, but we'll, we'll, you mentioned the uh, obviously the positive COVID test, and so let's just start there before we get into the actual – uh, UVA draw and then the matchup against Ohio. So what we know is they're down uh, or one guy caught COVID apparently. And so everyone's quarantining for seven days. So no normal practices. We aren't traveling to Indianapolis until Friday. We play Saturday night. So in theory, we have about 24 hours in Indianapolis. Hopefully we can get a practice in that time. You have, you obviously when you're on the team didn't face this because there's no pandemic, but what do you, do you think this is going to hurt us? Is this, I mean, not only are we a week, like not playing games or anything, we probably aren't practicing or, or lifting weights or conditioning the way they normally are. What type of effect do you think this is going to have on the team, especially in, you know, the first half kind of getting our legs under us? Yeah. Um, I mean, we've been through this once before this season, um, right. How to pause. Um, I think William and Mary was probably our, our first game coming out of that. Um, so uh, and then, and then we know what happened a few days uh, after that with Gonzaga. Um, you know, I I would think that, you know, Coach Curtis, our strength and conditioning coach, is doing as much as he can um, to get these guys kind of uh, staying active and and trying to keep their conditioning up. Um, you know, I wouldn't be surprised if he delivered a bike to each of their each of their apartments, you know, they all live, half the guys lived, most of the guys live together anyway. Um, right. So, um, you know, I would imagine he's trying to do as much as possible. Um, you know, I'm sure kind of on the film side, it's, it's daily, uh, you know, multiple calls a day uh, with the coaching staff. So at least there's precedent that we've done this at least once this season, I think most teams have, um, you know, so uh, it definitely won't be, it definitely won't be easy going into into 
Saturday's game. Fortunately, it's a late game. Um, so I think they'll probably try to travel first thing Friday morning if they can have a practice um, Friday afternoon. Similar to any, honestly, it's, it's similar to any road game. You wouldn't travel before, um, you know, two days out for, for any road game. You'd travel basically after practice, um, you know, three, four o'clock, get there. Um, you might go to the arena and have a shoot around, but you might um, just go back to the hotel and have a shoot around the next morning. So um, I think it's very similar to kind of your typical road game, um, you know, and from there, um, you know, we'll see kind of uh, how shots are shots are fun. I mean, they'll get up right. tons of shots and shoot around and, right. you know, these guys are good. I think they'll be all right, but it'll just depend on how much energy they have and hopefully they don't come out flat. Right. So it'll be, so our last game was Thursday against Syracuse. And as you said, Saturday night. So it'll be about nine days in between games. Um, so not a ton of time, but, um, you know, nine days is, is a lot more than you would go through in the regular season. It's normally, you know, max one week. So let's go to the draw. And the one thing that I was saying is please don't be in Gonzaga's bracket. Cause I knew we were going to get, I had a feeling we were going to get four or five seeds. So obviously you match up with the one seed. Uh, if everything goes as planned in the Sweet 16 for your uh, third game. What, I mean, I don't like this draw. I, just because of Gonzaga, basically. And I would say one to 10, 10 being like the worst possible scenario. I would, I would say maybe like an eight because I'm not too scared of Creighton and Ohio while they do have some good players on that team. They're not, you know, shaking me to my core what how do you feel about this and how do you feel about this draw and then how would you feel about a, another game against Gonzaga in the sweet 16 the draw is definitely tough I you know I think I agree it's probably an eight um in terms of um you know what you what you would want uh like you said most people are picking Ohio over us and I think that's more a reflection of us being on pause for nine days heading into this game. Um, they're a well-balanced team. Uh, you know, they've got five guys scoring in double figures. They've got a, you know, a guy in, in Preston that um, is a, has NBA potential. Um, you know, I, I, I think he's, you know, I think he's got a chance, but he's, he's kind of, you know, he's the type of guy that if he has a big NCAA tournament run, his stock's going to go up. Right. Um, right. You know, he's, he's kind of a CJ McComb, RJ Hunter type of player. That's going to have a big, big tournament game and his stock's going to go up. So, um, you know, that's on the table for him, but you know, overall it's new. We'd be on the four line. I think just looking at, um, you know, what, what guys like Lenardi were picking um, on that four line, we were at the top of it lost, probably could have gotten bumped up to a um, probably could have gotten bumped up to a three. Had we continued to win or even just made it to the uh, ACC final, then Florida state loses. So they kind of drop behind us, but yeah, right in that four line, which means you're playing a one, you hope it's not Gonzaga. Mm. Um, but um, you know, I think when you're kind of on the bottom end of the four line, you're going to get, either the number one overall or the number two overall. So, right. um, you know, I think it was, uh, it's, uh, it's a tough place to be, but, you know, I think going, you take it one, one game at a time, the best right. case scenario. And, you know, no one, you know, is either Gonzaga loses or Gonzaga has a, you know, I think this, this tournament could get flipped upside down with a positive test, right. You know, totally. it, what if, could you imagine what would happen? Gonzaga is undefeated is, you know, by far uh, the favorite uh, to win the tournament and mm -hmm. they have one positive test and they're done. Right. One, it, you yeah. know, I would be. never root for, for a kid to get COVID obviously, but. But if, you're talking to I me, mean, could be, could be a walk-on, right. Could be, I mean, right. Duke, Duke, Coach K throws the walk-on under the bus. Can you I imagine watched, if Tony Vin did that to you like that? Come on. I looked it up. The two walk-ons on his team. Uh, one of them is his grandson. So I'm, I'm wondering if he threw his own grandson oh my God. under the bus, um, you know, and, and just said, Hey, 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 grandson, you're going to, you're going to take one for the team and, and we're going to withdraw from this season because you got COVID. So, yeah. That, that was, that was vintage coach. We K. digress, but I think, yeah, I mean, Gonzaga, I think that's honestly best case scenarios. We don't 
ever meet Gonzaga in the Sweet 16. Right. Right. Um, can we beat Gonzaga? Sure. I, I think anyone, I mean, I, I think anyone can beat Gonzaga. I think there's, you know, Kentucky was, was 38 now heading into um, the, the final four. Um, I think in, what was that? 2014, 2015. Mm-hmm. And um, you know, they lost to a Wisconsin team that was good. Um, but you know, was, did not have the talent that, um, that Kentucky did. Um, so we'll see. Right. And, and so Gonzaga we'll go, I mean, if, if we get to that point, we'll, we'll talk about this next week, but Gonzaga would play the winner of Oklahoma, Missouri, uh, as long as they beat the 16 seed. Um, which so is an easy, which isn't an easy second round game for right. Gonzaga. I mean, Oklahoma, I mean, Missouri's fast. And and Oklahoma has has played everyone in the in the Big Twelve close and if not beaten them, um, you know they've got, you know between Brady Manick um, and uh, and Reeves Austin Reeves. I mean they're they're a legit team that can yep. run it up and beat anyone. Manick looks like she, he should be on uh, Wisconsin with the uh, oh absolutely he's, <laughs> he's a polar bear but he's been there for Brady Brady Manick has been at Oklahoma. He's one of those guys that feels like it's been there Harry for Ellis years. kind of guy. Eight years. <laughs> yeah. So that, I mean, that is good to hear. Cause I didn't know much about Oklahoma or Missouri. So it's good to hear that you think that there is like a potential for an upset there. Um, so let's just go straight to the matchup with Ohio. So four versus 13 matchup. Um, so let me read a couple stats off on Ohio. Cause I had no idea anything about them uh, before this. So 16 and seven overall nine and five in their conference. I think they're fourth or fifth in the Mac. And they have five guys in double figures, which is a lot. And they're led by Jason Preston, who you uh, mentioned earlier, borderline NBA prospect, depending on how he does in this tournament, 34 minutes. So he plays uh, the most on the team with 34 minutes, 16 and a half points per game, just under seven rebounds and just over seven assists a game. So it's, I mean, he does a lot for them and he's, I think he's listed as six, four. So he's a bigger guard. Um, and, and we mentioned, I remember when we were talking about the Florida State game and we we're talking about their point guard, whose name is escaping me, but he's, he was taller than 6'4". He was like 6'7", 6'8". But Scotty he's one of Barnes. those. Exactly. Scotty Barnes. And just matching up against our smaller guards. Um, although Beekman, I mean, the past few games, especially and throughout the season has, has really given taller guys, uh, made them make tough shots. I remember the Buddy Beheim, and he, he always had a, a hand in that guy's face and he's uh, like six, seven. So we've got that guy. Um, another thing I wanted to point out two more things. Their tallest guy that they really play more than like seven, eight minutes is six, eight. So obviously we have Huff down low who's seven feet. So you wonder how Ohio is going to attack that. Are they going to send a double? Is Huff going to be able to get his way in the post? Cause uh, that would be huge when Huff is making those, you know, getting the ball and doing those short, short, like, turnaround hook shots on the on the block that's always a good sign and and keeps him from drifting to the three-point line and then lastly their one notable game like a game that was not against the mac uh was against illinois who is obviously a really good team uh finished the season really strong and they only lost by two to illinois so this game was in november a lot of things have changed i mean we lost by you know 20 30 points to gonzaga early uh, around November. So, but, uh, and Preston went 38, 31, eight and six in that game. So he came up big against bigger athletes, a good team. So that's kind of the background on Ohio. Um, what, I, I guess, what, where does this team post threats? What, what are you going to be looking for early on in this game uh, for UVA? Do you want them to get Huff established? How do you think Ohio is going to attack us? What, what are your general thoughts on the matchup? Yeah, I mean, Ohio is a, um, a better offensive team um, than they are defensively. So, you know, as you mentioned, you know, five guys scoring in double figures. I'm, you know, expecting them to, to really try to get uh, Jason Preston going um, and uh, just try to kind of speed up the game as much as possible. Right. You're playing Virginia. You're, you know, you're going to be playing at a slow pace. This Virginia team is not the best Virginia team defensively uh, right. that there's been but they're still like top 25 uh, defensively so right. um you know illinois is up there so i think between virginia and illinois this is you know maybe not the best defensive team that ohio has played but certainly the second um and and a team that that focuses much more on the defensive end um so 
you know, offensively for us, I think, you know, getting, getting Hauser and, and Huff established early, um, you know, as you mentioned, they've got, you know, they're two, two tallest guys, six, eight, six, eight, right. um, you know, don't have a ton of size and I don't know if they, you know, have a post trap like we do, but we see a post trap every day in practice going against ourselves. Um, yeah. So, you know, if, if that's the case, I, I would hope we, um, you know, are getting, getting a, a good skip and attacking downhill off of that. So uh, we'll see what they try to do there. Um, but I think Reese will start on Preston. Um, I think he's got the length. I think he's maybe just like six, four, six, five. So, mm-hmm. um, you know, I think Reese will start there. Um, and, you know, from, from there, we'll see kind of how it goes. I think, you know, Ohio will come out with a ton of energy and try yeah. to try to speed the game up. Um, but if we can, if we can get a, a couple easy buckets to start the game, um, particularly on the inside, or, you know, if Sam's able to get going, you know, Buddy Beheim goes, goes off for a career high and we're still kind of able to, to withstand that, which is a good sign. You know, there were, there were times even, you know, five, six years ago when I was there that, you know, guys would go off for, for 30, 35 points. And if you can withstand that, um, you know, it gives you a ton of confidence because it's not going to be every game that someone's having that against you. So let's put you uh, in the coach's seat. And so Ohio's head coach, I think his name is Jeff Bowles. And, and so you're the head coach of Ohio. You, you had a decent season and you made an incredible run and won the MAC championship, even though you're towards the middle of the pack in the regular season and you're going against a, a Virginia team that is going, you know, eight, nine days without practicing or playing, you know, you're playing a, a better defensive team. Um, if you were, if you were to give like two bullet points to the Ohio team going into the Virginia game, like, Hey, we need to do a, and we need to do B and we've got a really good chance of winning, whether it's rebounding or keeping Huff out of the, out of the post or anything like that. What do you think the two things that uh, the Ohio coach would really want done against UVA to, uh, to win the game? Yeah. I mean, I think this is, you know, you can tell your team, you know, we want to hit a certain number of threes, but you just never know how, uh, how the ball is going to fall for you that day. Um, It's generally been uh, a metric that, you know, the more you hit, you hit north of, of 10 threes against Virginia, you're in a pretty good spot to win the game. Mm-hmm. Um, but I would say it's, it's probably, you know, points off turnovers and second chance points. Um, right. You've got a team that's coming off of a eight, nine day pause since even being on the basketball court with each other, they might get 36 hours together, um, you know, and you kind of sandwich traveling and showing up to the NCAA tournament. You know, we've got a lot of, got some guys that have, have been to the tournament before, but we've got some players that, that might not have been, you know, recently, I mean, at least recently, but even before that, um, between, you know, two starters with, with Trey and, and Reese, um, you know, not being to the tournament before. So I would say, you know, those, those two metrics, if they can speed us up um, and, and, you know, get second chance opportunities would be two key things that, um, you know, would, would put the game in their favor, um, both from a conditioning standpoint and the quicker that they play, um, you know, a longer pause is just going to feed into that. We might not be as sure with our handle um, and our passing um, if the game's moving at a quicker pace. Right. And I'll be interested to see if they do any pressing, like even in the first half. And, and we mentioned this in our first podcast together where like, where's that second guard slash ball handler? And it looks like Beekman's got a little more comfortable and some other guys have too, but we still don't have that guy. Like when Kihei has the ball, you feel good about that he can weave in and kind of break the press on his own. So it'll be interesting to see if they do that. And then one other thing uh, I wanted to point out about this UVA team that I do feel good about is, you know, we've got Huff, fifth-year senior. We've got Hauser, who this is his, he's a senior. Um, Kihei's obviously been there and won a championship. And then Walden Tenside, this is his last year. And I think that's, I might be missing one person out, but I think that's everybody. So we have guys that are experienced and guys that are, are seniors. And this team in general is, is a very mature team when it comes to like, how does this team react late in games? Are they like, we're never like the frantic, you know, we're, we're going to do ISO ball, jack up a three at the end of the, the shot clock type of team. 
which is which has been awesome because that's I mean when you look at college basketball to the NBA one of the biggest differences is like what are the end of game shots and in college basketball it's normally hey we're gonna give it to our star player he's gonna try a, a crossover and the defense is either gonna send a double or defend it and then he ends up doing like a step back three and then in the NBA they normally you know they're they're a lot more comfortable at the end of a shot clock and, and UVA resembles more of an NBA team at the end of the shot clock. Um, so I don't know how old this Ohio team, I haven't looked at, you know, what, what year Preston is or, or the rest of their guys, but do you see this experience being experience and just overall age? We got 22, 23 year olds on the team being a factor, uh, for UVA. Yeah. Um, experience is definitely, I think in our favor, you know, just quick glance at their roster, at least on the starting five, they've got you know, a senior, two juniors, two sophomores, um, you know, are kind of in their, their top five players. Um, you know, one thing that stands out for me, um, you know, we are, I think, first, if not top five in the country in turnovers per game in a, in a, on the good side. Right, um, right. <laughs> uh, Ohio's, you know, not too much farther behind. But, you know, I think as the game comes down the stretch, I think we've got guys that, um, as you mentioned, have been there before, right? I mean, Kihei's, Kihei's you know, played with poise uh, on the biggest stage yeah. uh, in the biggest moments, as we all know, with, with Purdue. Um, and, then our, and then our percentages at the line are really in our favor. Um, you know, we're number three in the country, shooting over 80% from the free throw line. Unbelievable. Um, you've got, I think, all five, all five starters, if not everyone, but, but Reese kind of in the top um, you know, top echelon of the, of the ACC over, you know, 80, 90%. So, yep. you know, even, even guys like, you know, Trey's over 90s, uh, Jay's probably over 80. Um, you know, everyone who might have the ball at the end um, is a great free throw shooter. And kind of on the flip side of that, you've got someone like uh, Preston, who oddly enough is sub 70% from, uh, from the free throw line. Mm -hmm. um, it's uh you know, I don't think it's a knock on him as a, as a shooter. Even my guy, Joey hoops is not a great free throw shooter right now. And mm -hmm. at times in college, um, you know, was a little shaky at the line. Um, but, uh, yeah, I think that's, that's one thing that, that might bode well for Virginia is towards the, the end of the game, we've got, you know, four or five guys north of 80% and they don't have, I think anyone above 80%. Right. Yeah. The free throw shooting has been amazing. And you mentioned Trey Murphy, and it's, I mean, he's a tall guy and you got to imagine he's got like big hands too. And his free throws are just so like soft the way it like hits the net. It just kind of like drains in and it's normally nothing but net. So yeah, he's an awesome free throw shooter. And as a team, it's, it's so relaxing to have a team that hits their free throws and 80% clip, I think third in the NCAA is, is awesome. And that definitely comes in handy uh, late in games too. So, uh, Finishing up on this Ohio matchup, let's just go ahead and do predictions, and then we'll, we'll move on to the rest of the ACC quickly. Um, so Virginia, I guess my prediction. Um, so I think Virginia is favored by eight, which uh, I was kind of surprised by. I mean, you mentioned the layoff um, is why the majority of like analysts on TV are picking Ohio. But I, I like Virginia. I like, you know, I, I like our experience. I like our three-point shooting. I, I like, I trust Sam Hauser a lot. I mean, some of those shots that he made against Syracuse are really unbelievable. And I like having a guy when things are stagnant, he gets the ball and he can do this Dirk thing where he kind of just fades back and he hits these long twos. And it's when he shoots those, I was like, there's no way this is going in, but I mean, it seems like 50% of the time it goes in. And so that's been awesome. And he's, he's only gotten better throughout the season. Um, so uh, let me just, I'll just say 74 to 67 uh virginia what uh yeah so what's what's your prediction yeah i honestly hadn't even looked at the line and i was thinking somewhere in that eight point range yeah. um and you know i think a lot of that is just based on it being you know a tight game kind of under 10 under five um you know four or five points kind of one basket away from a one point uh or one possession game and then you know hopefully between you know our kind of more experienced players, um, you know, getting good shots, slowing down the game, getting a couple stops defensively, hitting free throws. We can kind of extend it to, you know, seven to nine points. And 
Um, you know, I, I imagine this game is going to be played under 70, um, but, you know, anywhere between kind of 68 and 72 for Virginia and, you know, kind of uh, 60 and 64 for Ohio. So we'll go, we'll go uh, 68, 60. 68, Virginia. 60. Okay. And, so I, go ahead. You know, I think with that, I mean, it's the good thing about this Virginia team is our pace is going to be in our favor for this game, but we can score, you know, at, at a much better clip than we have previously. And we saw that in 2019, that championship team was able to, um, was not our bet was not our best defensive team. They were good. They were better than this team was or is, but um, you know, at times they'd have, you know, Kyle Ty and, and, and Dre going for going for, you know, 15, 20 a piece right. um, and scoring North of 70. Um, you know, a lot of our games in the, in the tournament um, were more kind of offensive minded um, offensive wins. So, yeah. And I think it, it's, it'll be interesting to see how it's officiated as well, uh, especially Huff down low, because sometimes he doesn't get any of the calls other times he does. And as we mentioned, good free throw shooter. So that that'll be something to look for too. If, if they're letting him play and Huff's getting hacked and he's so big and, and uh, Ohio's smaller. So it's kind of like not quite the shack rule where he's so big, you can't foul him, but the same kind of premise where the bigger guy's getting hit by smaller guys, but it, it doesn't affect him as much. Um, cool. So we got our predictions and now we're just going to go uh, briefly over the rest of the ACC, just because, you know, we've, we've watched these teams play throughout the year against Virginia and other games. So, um, We'll start with the Hokies. And so the Hokies are a 10 seed, I believe. Yeah, 10 seed. They're playing seven seed Florida Gators. Um, I always have like a, a little reaction when I see Florida in the tournament because of 2012 or 2013, whatever year it was, um, when we lost by, I think it was like 71-45 or something it, like that. It was, it was a lot. Um, <laughs> yeah. They, they were bigger than us. They got a lot of rebounds. I remember exactly where I was for that was game. Good, hey, that was a good team, all right? That, that <laughs> team – uh they were a i think they were a seven seed we were a 10 that okay. year we we're playing in omaha they're starting i mean they're starting line brad beal was i mean brad beal oh, was that was a beal team. shooting guard they had patrick young they had irving walker they had kenny boyton um, oh and wow then i think they had one of the murphy brothers i don't know eric murphy chandler murphy yeah and I mean, their starting five was legit. Brad Beal was the number two or three pick in, in, yeah, in the good. draft and was on a seven-team. Missouri State – oh, sorry, not Missouri State. Norfolk State beats Missouri, um, and Florida has a, has a cakewalk in the next, right. uh, in the next game. Could have been us. State, so. But, yeah, that – yeah, they, they rebounded the crap out of the ball. But, and then mm -hmm. I was so excited because I think it had been a while since we've been to the tournament. But um, it was before we got used, like, spoiled. Like, of course, we're going to the tournament. That was our um, turnaround year is what we called it. Yeah. Those shirts made at the beginning of the year that said T-A-Y. Um, <laughs> T-A-Y was on the board every for every game. And that was the year that we said we got to turn around and make the tournament. So, um, Well, you guys did that. We made the yeah. tournament. And so that was that was good. And uh, – certainly gotten better from there in the tournament. So, uh, so we were seven, 10 in that matchup. And so seven, 10 matchup again. Um, so hopefully Virginia tech sees the same fate that we had that year. Um, have I, I really haven't watched much of Florida. What, what do you think is going to happen in this game? Do you, I like tech. I mean, they're kind of up and down. They, they've got a couple guys that like shooting threes a lot. They've got the, the small, the short white guy, I think Couture or something like that. Who, who when he gets hot, they, they play pretty well. They've got a, point guard that's good defensively but not a great shooter um kind of one of those I kind of like these type of point guards that are like big physical guys um defensive guys but then kind of like running backs but they're not the best shooters um what do you think a lot of John Tell Evans <laughs> um, I, I miss John I don't miss his shooting but I miss just just his fearlessness and yeah. taking taking well, on anybody Beattie. 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 that's, that's yeah. it that's um it. he's a good player um yeah I mean I think tech I, I like tech here. They've, you know, just looking at their recent schedule, they've, they've lost, you know, probably four or five games due to COVID cancellations yeah. um, in their last like 10. So, you know, you, you, you start to wonder whether, you know, a team like Virginia um, just being off, you know, because of one game for nine days, if that is 
as big of a factor when you then look at a team like Virginia Tech who plays a game, loses a game, plays like, you know, doesn't play a game, plays a game, doesn't play a game. And they're just on off on off the whole time. Um, And you get no, no sort of rhythm, you know, just, you know, being on the court every day. So, um, you know, Florida lost Keontae Johnson early on, um, you know, I think with a, with a, you know, heart condition, um and they i don't think they've ever really been the same since i mean he's definitely their best player so um, is he back no no, no okay he's, he's he's done for the season so um yeah i mean i, I like text chances here okay okay so you got to, i guess a minor upset i don't know what the line is but probably a few points um so we'll go in that same so that's in the south region we'll go a few lines up and it's north carolina versus wisconsin eight versus nine winner in theory played Baylor this is the classic like great NCAA tournament game because it's a clash of styles you got UNC who's playing a lot better now they love going up and down the court all that stuff uh big front line as always and then Wisconsin they like to slow it down um and and they've got Davidson who's kind of like the classic Wisconsin guy point guard um takes a lot of charges all that stuff uh I mean I like the way North Carolina has been playing um I forgot to give my pick for the Tech Florida. I think Tech also wins. Um, also, they, they have Coach of the Year, ACC. I think uh, Mike Young is his name. Yeah. But he, he did get out coached, as we mentioned. He got out coached by COVID a few times this year. So I think mm-hmm. that needs to be noted as well. But so we go to UNC, uh, Wisconsin. I like the way UNC has been playing. Um, so I'll take, and Wisconsin's kind of been on a little bit of a slide. So I like North Carolina in this one. Yeah, um, I've I've got North Carolina um, going to the Sweet 16. Um, oh wow! So you know, I think they're a team. They're huge. They're a, like you mentioned, a classic Carolina team that wants to often offensive rebound, run, run the floor. Um, they've got a couple guys that can get hot. Caleb Love, Kerwin Walton, you know, can get hot from the outside, and um, you know, on on the inside um you know walker kessler has <laughs> weirdly has the potential to go for 2025 and yeah. in some of these games so um he's been playing great um kind of as of as of late i think as of um kind of that first duke game um he's been he's been playing much better um has been has been playing up to kind of his his uh high school pedigree so um i like i like carolina here i don't know much about wisconsin but i know that they haven't they haven't beaten anyone really. Um, right. Lost to Michigan twice, lost to Illinois twice. Um, so I think they've, you know, big, big 10 was stacked this year, but I don't think Wisconsin showed enough against kind of the, the better teams in the conference. I'm interested in that. Uh, so you, I guess you'd have UNC over Baylor. I, I like Baylor a lot. Well, we can talk about that uh, next week. Um, but let's go to the East region. And so this is the most interesting ACC team, in my opinion, and that's Florida State. Um, I mean, we saw, I mean, as we mentioned, we recorded a couple of days after that UVA game and they played, you know, one of the best games that I've seen all year. I mean, making threes really athletic, big, and they played extremely hard. But the one downfall for them is they don't play well outside of Tallahassee. I think they were right around 500, maybe outside of Tallahassee. They lost a couple of bad games late in the season where it's like, is this, are these the same players that were playing against Virginia? It, it makes no sense. So obviously they won't be playing at home in the NCAA tournament. Um, they're four seed like Virginia. They play UNC Greensboro in the first round. And Leonard Hamilton has been, you know, knocking on the door of making a final four or making a big run in the NCAA tournament for a while now. And obviously he's got a talented team. We mentioned Scotty Barnes, um, MJ Walker guy, the polite guy, uh, the lefty's good. They've got a couple of big guys too that are really athletic is this, is this the year? So I could see them getting upset or making a final four. I could see them beating uh, Michigan as the one seed. So they play Michigan in the uh, sweet 16. I mean, I could see going either, either way, final four or an upset. I, I'm leaning towards them making a run um, just because they're so talented. And I, it might be because that Virginia game is just sticking out so large in my brain. And that could be why, but you know, I think they piece it. They're just so good. I, I don't see them losing. But what what do you think is going to happen with Florida State? I've got them going on a run. Um, nice. An Elite Eight run. Um, 
they've yeah they've been they've been up and down for sure um you know i think i've seen some people picking uncg over them if you remember wes miller from carolina back in 2005 2006 yeah sorry six seven eight maybe um he's their head coach and he's he's knocking wes is knocking on the door for being in the running for for roy's job uh when roy's ready to step, step down you've got a a Carolina alum, uh, a four-year, you know, four-year player. Um, so really he's pretty good. young too. He's he's not yet in his forties. I think he finished in two thousand, yeah, two thousand eight, maybe two thousand nine, two thousand eight. So he's probably mid thirties. So, okay. Yeah, I mean, he's in his mid he's in his mid thirties, and he's been kind of hovering around the state of state of North Carolina. I think wait, waiting for <laughs> Just that circling time, Chapel Hill, waiting for his name to be open called. up. Um, you know, they've got. I just think Florida State's too big too too talented um they've certainly played up and played down um to competition this year um but i mean you've mentioned some of those guys you've got also a guy raekwon gray who oh yeah you know is just a monster for them kind of at the point guard position i mean scotty barnes comes off the bench um and Shock. it's so, so shocking so you're, when I see you're dealing going. with you're dealing with two kind of six eight point forwards um mm-hmm you know, playing. And I, I just don't think Greensboro has the, the size to deal with, uh, with those two guys. Um, not to mention everyone else on the Florida state team. Right. Yeah, definitely stacked. So we're, we're pretty pro ACC so far. Obviously we had Virginia and we got Florida state UNC um, and then Virginia tech, but I mean, a lot of the ACC teams are higher seats anyway. So they're favored to win. So we go to the Midwest region and this is uh stack with uh ACC teams. So we'll start from the top and go down. So we got Loyola Chicago against Georgia Tech. And a lot of people, including myself, are looking forward to this game just because both teams are like, you know, really scrappy, play hard type teams. I really like the the head coach for Georgia Tech. He seems like a seems like a good guy. And he's got the uh, the visor, which is always funny. But I also like uh Alvarado. Where's the visor in the in the game? The uh the head coach John oh, Pastor oh, oh, the, the, oh, the face shield the face shield yeah not a, not a visor but the face shield about a hat I said who who in college basketball wears <laughs> honestly a hat? Yeah. I could see I could see him doing that though yeah but, there's uh, there's a few there's a few coaches who have kind of their look this year right I yeah. mean ninety percent of the coaches are are wearing a mask you had Bayheim Chris Mooney a couple people wearing that like clear mask that was right. like part part shield part mask um, it was just Chris Mooney for a while um out of richmond and then yeah you've got the pastor uh face shield you know you haven't seen yeah. too many face shields this year no no um chris mooney man we could talk about richmond season and how they <laughs> kind of dropped off the map um yeah we'll save that uh so i mean i like alvarado they got the acc player of the year and uh moses Wright, and they've played virginia well and i just like that team uh, they won the acc tournament uh so a team that's got some momentum I mean, I don't know much about Loyola Chicago um, besides, you know, the past couple of years they've been in the tournament. Uh, do you think Georgia Tech wins? I think Georgia Tech wins. Um, you know, you've <laughs> sister Jean um, is on, on Loyola Chicago's side, but um, it's, it's hard to believe that an ACC champion um, is ranked ranked so low um Agreed. you know obviously they they made it to the ACC tournament final having played like just 13 seed Miami um so not surprising that that run didn't give them a, a better seed but um you know I think it certainly helps uh, it helps them out kind of in the in the first round to to play a, a Chicago team that's that's closer yeah so we'll go to uh we can do this one quick because it's not that interesting of a matchup uh seven Clemson versus 10 Rutgers. Um, I mean, as you said, I mean, Georgia Tech gets a nine seed and, and Clemson gets a seven seed, which doesn't really seem, I mean, the Clemson, obviously we remember the Virginia game where I think that was the Wilton 10 side game where he had like, you know, four or five threes in the first half, but we blew them out. You know, not, they are a weird team. They really lean on uh, the Sims guy and it doesn't seem like they have much else, but they're playing Rutgers who uh, they're, they're not, it's been a while since they've been in the tournament. I'm not sure the exact years, but you never want to play a team that's finally gets to the tournament and you know they're giddy, excited, coming, coming, uh, guns blazing. So Clemson's a seven seed against a ten seed Rutgers. Uh, I have Rutgers in it. Um, 
my only reason is I've seen a fair share of Clemson games. I just don't think they're good. And I know Rutgers being the big 10, you've played against a lot of tough teams. I think this is just lower competition and I think they win. Yeah. I think it's ACC bias for me that I picked Clemson, but this is just going to be, I mean, is it's ACC a, about to run the table for you. It's almost, almost a, a pick them um, first to 65. Right. Rutgers hasn't really won a game since they beat Illinois, you know, last year in, in 2020. So um, Clemson hasn't showed much since they, you know, it, for some reason got ranked number five in the country and, and blown out by Virginia. So um, yeah, I mean, I've got Clemson winning here, but um, you know, don't feel too confident in it. Yeah. Agreed. So we'll go to the last ACC game. This is the third ACC team in the Midwest region. And that's 11 Syracuse who sneaks in to the uh, tournament, just, you know, traditional Syracuse on the bubble, uh, despite losing that close one to Virginia in the ACC tournament, they get in as an 11 seed and they play the uh, six seed San Diego state. I don't know much about San Diego state, but I do know a lot about Syracuse because I've seen a good amount of their games. Buddy Bayheim has never seen a shot. He does not like, and they've got uh, Alan Griffin who's playing better and they were rebounding the well, uh, the ball well against Virginia. And they had a lot of kick out threes Bayheim. I mean, he can go for 30. Um, he's a tough guy to guard as much as, you know, you don't really like him as a Virginia fan. He just, you know, one of those guys, kind of like a Duke guy or just like get this guy out of my face, but you know, he's a good player. So, uh, I mean, they're Syracuse, classic Syracuse. I mean, 11 seed, but you wouldn't be surprised if they go to the lead eight. Uh, we've seen that, you know, happen plenty of times. Um, but you do got to wonder about Syracuse. They haven't been recruiting nearly as well as, as they have in the past. And I think that kind of, um, kind of leans into why they haven't been as great the past, you know, five, 10 years. But uh, so they play six ranked San Diego state, San Diego state's a pretty good team. I have Syracuse winning just based on what they've done in the past uh, Jim Bayham experience. And they're just a really athletic team that I don't think San Diego state is familiar with. And I think Syracuse is going to come out um, and win that game. Uh, do you think Syracuse wins? And if, if you do think they win, how far do you think they can go? I have San Diego state winning that game. Okay. Um, again, I, I think, uh, this Syracuse team is really interesting. I think they've got, um, you know, obviously they're, they're led right now by buddy Bayheim. Um, I think as of, of last year, you might've thought that Gerard would have been their guy an incredibly gifted scorer. I think he was like the New York um, yeah. high school basketball scoring leader all time. Um, it seems like Bayham doesn't like him as much. He's not playing nearly as yeah, much. He looks like he's kind of lost some of his confidence. Like he used to be that swagger, like a shorter point guard, mm -hmm. but like he's going to come right at you and not be yeah. scared. But it seems like just from watching the body language, it seems like that's kind of been taken. Maybe that's because he's playing less minutes. I don't know. Yeah. And interestingly, they, hey, I think for the first time since I've watched Syracuse, you know, 15, 20 years ago, they, they just don't have that interior presence that they usually do on the defensive ends. Right. Like mm -hmm. right now it's Dolajai who is centering kind of the two, three zone for them. Right. And typically um, it's been, you know, a one-on-one -on -one shot blocker, incredibly long who they'll fan out and basically you'll get that guy in the middle and the Hakeem work types. And yeah. And you'll just say, come play us one-on-one. -on -one. Right. Um, try to finish, you know, over the rim or uh, meet us at the rim and we're going to we're going to, um, you know, put our best shot blocker against you and limit you to one shot. So um, they don't have that this year. San Diego State's a really good defensive team. Um, they're like top 10 in the country. They're, you know, scoring 74 a game and giving up 60 a game. Um, so, you know, I think it's, uh, you know, from that standpoint, it's pretty similar to you know, a Virginia team. And I just don't see, I don't see Buddy Bayheim going for, you know, 30 again, um, like he did against Virginia, you know, even in that case, a loss, but a close one. So right. um, I've got San, San Diego State here. So I'm not all, I'm not all chalk, not, not all ACC, but uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So it looks like we both have ACC going uh, six and one and you have Syracuse losing. I have Clemson losing to Rutgers. Um, so it'll be interesting to see how the, the ACC shakes out. Um, you always kind of want good representation for your conference. Um, so before we get out of here, 
do you have a final four or are you still working on it? Um, if you do have a final four, I'd love to know what it is or, or, or like a champion or who you think will, will make it real far if you don't have a final four. Yeah. Um, I've got a champion and it's okay. the Gonzaga Bulldogs. Oh, um, wow. Okay. It's, it's, it's chalked up, but I mean, they're, they're an undefeated team who, I mean, I think for probably the first time under Mark few, I mean, they have three incredibly legit players, um, you know, three all Americans. They've got a guy who's an honorable mention all American. I mean, they've got almost their entire starting five. Um, I think, uh, yeah, I mean, they're, they're a veteran team. They've got, you know, they've got guys that play with, uh, with some swag, <laughs> Drew Timmy, Jalen Suggs. Um, I mean, I think when they get momentum, they're, they're tough to beat and they're good defensively as well. Um, so I've got them winning it all. Um, I think they, um, you know, again, barring any kind of unusual circumstance, I think they'll be, they'll be favored by, you know, five plus points in every game they play. Right. Um, yeah. The, the other, my other three final four teams are Texas, oh, okay. um, Arkansas and Oklahoma state. Oh, wow. Um, okay. It's it, to me, I just, I, I was toying with like, how does this bracket this year just get flipped upside down? Like it, they're, are a lot of possibility. I mean, this, this year of all years, right. Anything, literally anything could happen where a game doesn't play. And then, and then, you know, under seated team, uh, lower seated team advances because of COVID. I mean, you could have number one seeds lose by forfeit. Um, right. So uh, I've been, I've been playing with that idea for the last few days. Um, that's, where my bracket is right now. We'll see if I, if I go back on anything, but um, you know, if a, if a team like Arkansas makes the final four, I'm not going to be surprised. Um, and if they don't, it's, you know, it could be another, you know, team that uh, no one's picking because uh, you know, Baylor, Illinois gets knocked out for some reason. Right. So, so you got, you got two big 12 teams um, with Texas and Oklahoma state, Arkansas. I mean, they've got that pace where they, I was listening to a, a Muscleman interview and he was saying they have shorter practices, just like two hours on the dot, max 120 minutes. But throughout that 120 minutes, nobody's ever just standing. The team is jogging or running. I'm surprised it's that I'm surprised it's that long. Um, and maybe that's, maybe oh, that's yeah. just kind of beginning of the year, early on in the year. I mean, certainly there's no way they're going for an hour and 20 minutes hard, um, right. you know, at, at this time in, in February and March, um, you know, some of our practices were hard for 60 minutes and that was it. They're shooting mm -hmm. before they're shooting after, but we were, you know, at times kind of 60 minutes on the dot, but yeah, I mean, Muscleman likes to get up and down. Um, you know, things didn't change much between Mike Anderson and, and, and Eric Muscleman. So, right. um, yeah, who knows? I literally know nothing about Arkansas, but like I'm kind of just picking them because um, because of their pace and you know they're I think they're in a in an interesting interesting position um, being in in Baylor's bracket, having Ohio State as their two seed. Um, you know, Ohio State um, you know has played decently against the best teams in the in the Big Ten, but. Um, not great kind of faltered you know towards the end of the year I think Baylor had a massive pause um, uh, in the middle of their season uh, and saw their first loss coming out of it so um, it's I, I think that's probably the the easiest region um, so yeah it was certainly certainly uh, an interesting final four you didn't you didn't do the the Dickie V special and just go like all one seeds and then <laughs> all chalk <laughs> all chalk yeah I'll never remember like five years ago he came and it was four one seed in the elite eight, four one seeds, three two seeds and one three seed. And it's like, yeah. okay, Diggy V. Um, yeah. but and yeah, then Cade Cunningham obviously, you know, has the potential to carry his carry his team. True. You know, he's True. you know, in the big in the big ten, you know, he had he had games against against top top teams. I mean, you've he's got West, West Virginia out of four. You've got, you know, Baylor, Kansas, Texas. He, you know, could you know run it up with with any of those teams. So Definitely. And uh, so I've got Baylor winning it all. I know you have them losing in the second round, but I, I really like, you know, you look at the the big 12 and you have two teams in the big 12 in the final four. I think the big 12 was really good this year. And so they've, I think they've played a lot of tough games and they've won a lot of them and defensively and they've got talented players. And, but I also like Gonzaga too, because not only do they have these talented big guys, but it seems like they haven't really had one of those 
highly talented four-star, five-star guards that can take yeah. over a game. And, and mm -hmm. they have that with Suggs this year. So I think that's an added element to this Gonzaga team that they haven't had in the past. And so they seem more balanced um, this year. Um, so, so that wraps up the podcast. Um, hopefully, hopefully we can have you on next week uh, before like the, uh, the sweet 16 and the rest of the stuff uh, happens, especially if UVA is facing off again against Gonzaga, we got to have you back on to uh, preview that game at the very least. Uh, but as always, thank you, Rob, for coming on. And uh, this went pretty long, 50 minutes. So thanks for uh, spending 50 minutes on the podcast. Uh, you've now been on two times. So it's uh, it's great to have your input as always. And man, I am pumped for March Madness. We listened to that intro, uh, One Shining Moment, and just sends chills down your spine every single time. Yep, gets you going. It's uh, It's exciting. It's been a long you know, 20, 23 months uh, since, since the last, uh, last tournament. Um, but looking forward to looking forward to, to Friday. It's, uh, yeah. it's usually a Thursday, but, uh, but that first, first round Friday is always uh, a ton of fun. Yeah. Um, we we got to wait one more day and, and a lot of games every, every 30 minutes, you know, and a new game is starting <laughs> and they're all, you can get catch the last five minutes. Just oh in, yeah, in they ways. stagger them perfectly, and then yeah. you got to do a mad scramble to find out True TV, which is just the channel UVA is playing on. But uh, yeah, we got to wait one more extra day. I was I was telling John he, he had to uh, reschedule his yearly vasectomy because it wasn't the Thursday Friday. So uh, I think he's he's waiting a year for that. Um, but uh, yeah, that that go ahead. A lot of cord, a lot of cord cutters this year that, uh, that, uh, not to bring up a vasectomy joke, but a lot of cord cutters this year since the last time that the tournament happened. So trying to find a channel like True TV might be, uh, might yeah. Be difficult. Uh, yeah. I don't know what Gen Z is going to be doing. They're going to be, it's going to be a mad scramble, uh, yeah. for those people that have cut the cords. But Rob, thanks for coming on and spending, uh, 55, 60 minutes with us. This was awesome. Hopefully, UVA will be in the Sweet 16. And uh, definitely want to have you back on to uh, preview the, that game. But uh, as always, thank you for coming on. Sounds good, man. Anytime. Go Hoos.